0: On the morning of June twenty-first, 2004, 43-year-old Jim Donnelly pulled into work and parked his car. He gets out with a muffin that he had just purchased at the gas station and heads inside. Jim signs into work, gets changed into his work uniform, walks to his office, sets the muffin on his desk, and is never seen again. It's been 18 years since Jim disappeared and we still have no clue what happened to him, but I'm here to lay it all out for you and see if we can unravel the mystery at the mill. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Jim was a very affectionate and loving father and husband. He put his family above everything else. But in the days leading up to his disappearance, he seemed different according to those close to him. Jim worked as a scientist for the largest steel mill in New Zealand, Glenbrook Steel Mill, just south of Auckland. The large factory makes up to 90% of New Zealand's steel requirements and is still in operation today. According to Jim's wife Tracy, he woke up early on the morning of the 21st. He had some exciting news and could just not wait to share it with her. He had bought their son the Harry Potter game that he wanted for his birthday, and he had it put up in the closet, as well as some birthday presents that he got for his daughters. as well. He told her not to worry about it, that he would sort it all out later, and then he got dressed and headed into work. Tracy was confused. Their children's birthdays were several months away. She didn't understand why he was dealing with it now. On his way to work, he stopped to fuel his car, and at that time, he purchased the muffin That was found later that day still on his desk. She says he was a private person and she respected that. Even now she fears oversharing would disrespect him. But she wants to find out what happened to her husband and feels at this point the only way to do that is to keep his story alive through the media. She hopes that whoever knows what happened will come forward. She's gone as far as to say that she no longer is concerned with a conviction of any kind. She just wants the truth. She misses her husband and hates that her children missed out on having their father around. Tracy says Jim's behavior leading up to his disappearance was erratic. For instance, the weekend before he disappeared, he said he had had to go to an unexpected meeting. It was very sudden and in the middle of the day on a Saturday. But when she tried to get more out of him, he just got angry and left. He returns in a rented suit and tells Tracy that tomorrow night he might be a little fragile. She asked him if he meant physically or mentally, to which he responded physically. He took off again, and when he came back, about an hour to an hour and a half later, he was perfectly fine and unharmed, but he spent the night pacing the floor. To this day, no one knows where he was or what he did that day. The only clue anyone had was that he had brought home a bag of takeout Chinese food. The day before he went missing, he went out with his son Liam. They went to visit his mother, and then they went home. When Jim arrived home, he was angry and said he had to go out again, and he had to divert a crisis and quote, stop a waste. So, he takes off again, and Tracy was left to wonder what was going on. She spoke with Liam about his day, and he confirmed that he had gone to see Jim's friend, Stephen. Jim finally returns home later that night and still won't say where he's been, and is still very upset. The couple went to bed later without resolving the issue. But then he wakes her up suddenly the next morning to let her know about birthday presents for the kids' birthdays, which again, are months away. When he does this, Tracy says he was happy and excited, a complete change from the night before. So by now, Tracy is really concerned for her husband's well-being. So after he leaves for work, Tracy calls Steven's wife, Debbie. Debbie and Tracy have actually been friends since the age of five, And knew each other very well. Debbie reveals to Tracy that she and Steve have also been concerned about Jim and he's been behaving strangely. Steve actually calls Tracy after she has talked to Debbie and asked about Jim's license plate numbers. He informs her that there was a car that had shown up at his workplace unexpectedly the night before. The driver had apparently snuck into a restricted parking lot and was trying to sneak into the building. Jim's plate numbers match the description of the mystery vehicle. So Steve calls the mill in order to get in touch with Jim and is unsuccessful, as no one can locate him. By now, Tracy had already called an hour earlier, but also got no response. Steve was informed that Jim was not at work, and the other employees assumed Jim had left work and gone home. Steve and his wife check Jim and Tracy's apartment to see if he's there, but they are not able to find any trace of him anywhere. When a search was done at the mill, they're finally able to locate Jim's car but it was in a space that it was not normally in. This is why they believed that he had left. They do an initial search of the grounds, but find nothing. He was last seen around 6 a.m. He missed a meeting at 8 a.m. Tracy went to the police to file a missing persons report around 6 p.m. and an investigation was started. Police questioned Mill employees on a volunteer basis and allowed the employees to conduct the initial search themselves. I'm not sure why this was done, I'm assuming because police figured at the time that he had probably had an accident at work, and having the employees help search for him could really speed things up. He was last seen at the warehouse located just south of the mill, the building that served as a locker room for employees to change in. He was stressed, agitated, and worried about something, but wouldn't talk to anyone. Those who said hi to him that morning spoke of how he seemed to keep his head down, and he just didn't even want to make eye contact. And he never spoke a word to anyone that day tracy initially thought he had an accident due to lack of sleep she admitted to herself that maybe he had some kind of breakdown and ran off so the area around the mill is searched then someone at the mill claims that they saw him running for his life away from people who were looking for him out in a field beside the mill so believing he may have been out there eluding police for whatever reason They tried baiting him out with food and care packages to no avail. Jim's friends and family conducted their own search, thinking maybe he would come out if the police were gone. But nothing was ever found and there was no evidence that he had ever been out there. For the first week after Jim disappeared, Tracy didn't tell the children what was happening, hoping that he would be found and she wouldn't have to. What was she supposed to tell them? She didn't know if he had left, if he was killed, still alive somewhere waiting to be found or rescued. There have been several sightings over the years. A man matching his description was seen jumping a fence around the mill. Police found boot prints on a nearby beach that could have been his. They matched his work-issued boots, but of course, those are the ones everyone else wore too. There were sightings at grocery stores and all around New Zealand, but there was never once a confirmation. The last confirmed sighting was at the mill, in the locker room, on the day he disappeared. On the night following the disappearance, an unknown car drove into the parking lot where Jim's car was still sitting. The car was driving slowly and appeared to be looking around. But when the police were spotted, the car quickly turned its lights out and sped off. Of course, this is all speculation. But it's possible that someone wanted to move the car to make it look like Jim had left, so the mill was no longer under the microscope. Or maybe Jim was trying to get his own car back. His car keys have never been recovered. After five days of nothing, finally, a break in the case. A search of an area of 900 hectares, or roughly 3.5 square miles, turned up absolutely nothing. Yet, Jim's hard hat is suddenly found sitting right beside a vat of acid. How convenient. Right there on display, as if it had been there with every intention of being found. Jim's name was inside the hat as well, so there you go. Case closed. (laughs) But they drain the vat, which takes about 24 hours. This is most excruciating for Tracy as you could imagine. She's still trying to figure out what to tell her children. But at the bottom of the vat were Jim's work keys, wallet, palm pilot, and work ID. But there were no signs of Jim or his car keys, might I add. The acid was tested by police and they found it didn't quite dissolve a body to nothing. During their experiment, the body fat was left behind and couldn't be dissolved by the acid. So they don't believe Jim was ever in the vat, so his stuff must have been planted inside. The cylinder that held the acid was also covered with a steel lid that made it damn near impossible for anyone to get into the acid anyways, and anyone disposing of a body would have to dismember it to fit it inside. So this just isn't logical, especially not in the middle of a busy steel mill. The investigators are baffled by this case because they believe if Jim took his own life, someone would have seen him. There were over 200 people on the site at the time, and his body would have most likely turned up. For example, if he had attempted to walk into one of the large furnaces on the premises, he would have been overcome by the heat before getting close enough, and there were people there, all around, watching. He could have just run away and started a new life, but if he left the mill running through one of the fields, he would have been caught on one of the cameras or been seen by someone, or security. There is a possibility that he fell or was pushed into what is called a slag trench on the property. This is an area where the molten liquid produced during the steelmaking process is dumped or kept. If this is the case, it would be the equivalent of falling into lava, so there would be nothing left to find. But there are always people working in this area, and it's highly unlikely that he would have made it out there without being seen. There are also oxidation ponds on the property that have never been searched. It's possible that he fell into one of these, but again, it would be most likely that he would have been seen around them. Oxidation ponds, sometimes called lagoons or stabilization ponds, are large shallow ponds designed to treat wastewater through the interaction of sunlight, bacteria, and algae. Algae grow using energy from the sun and carbon dioxide and inorganic compounds released by bacteria in the water. So they just leave it there until it goes away. With new technology, police are hoping to one day test these ponds, but until they can, they can only speculate. And even if they can test it, it's already been 17 years. If his body was sitting in there, there's a very slim chance we'll find any remains. Tracy had to eventually tell her kids that their dad was not coming home. Little Liam and his sister are grown up now and have moved on. But they continue to hope that one day, the three of them will find the answers that they're looking for. There you go, guys. There's the case of Jim Donnelly. The acid vet case, which I will be referring to this (laughs) to in the future. (laughs) Guys, Kristen is here with me today. Um, Of course, if you guys don't know, the writer of most Strange and unexplained, if epi- all strange and unexplained episodes, and most of the Sandu stories up until this point. Um, but she's joining me here. We're gonna get her opinion on this on this weird case as well. Uh, but yeah. We- Upon studying this case, I couldn't help but remember that episode of Rick and Morty where <laughs> they're trying to escape these these like mafia guys. Yeah. And Rick has this great idea of jumping into a great idea, a,
1: really? The acid vat? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it was with. a good idea,
0: actually, I thought. <laughs> he, they jumped into an acid vat and then released a hatch at the bottom where they had fake bones. Mm-hmm. Obviously it wasn't a real acid vat, it was just green water. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and he had oxygen tanks at the bottom. Brilliant, right? <laughs> but anyways, that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really relate to this episode. Other than the fact that, you know, they found his hat near the acid vat. Yeah. That was obviously staged. I mean, they searched the whole day before. They searched the whole property. Yeah. And you don't find the man's actual hard hat with his name in it.
1: Well, not well, only I mean, that, but it is
0: just a hard hat. It could have been anybody's.
1: Yeah. Not only that, though, like the acid vat that they put everything in, he couldn't have got into that himself. Like, it was stupid that they yeah. didn't pick something that would have at least... Doubt on whether or not he was in there.
0: How big do you think the opening is? Like, for instance, a would a basketball small, fit in there? No, 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 Would a grapefruit cylinder. fit in there?
1: It's like a hose that connects to the top, basically. So, an
0: apple wouldn't fit in there.
1: I don't know, like, the exact. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's not very big. It's okay. just for the fluids that, like, they had to drain it through a well, hose, yeah.
0: And that seems like a genius. <laughs> idea, right? If we're gonna have a giant vat of acid, let's make sure no one falls Can't in get it. Into it, yeah, yeah.
1: But there are like in different areas of the mill, there are like these like almost like troughs. Mm-hmm. They're laid out, so they're like really wide, so you could like lay in there completely, two or three people in in at one time. Yeah, oh. and the acid is in there, and they and they dip stuff in. it. It's this whole process. But um, okay,
0: now what? Where those troughs? They eventually empty out into vats, right?
1: I have no idea. But those are in a different area in the factory. But I was like, if he, if you he really wanted to throw doubt, I feel like that's where you would put it. Because you could be like, oh, my God, he he must have fell in there. You know, because that at least that's believable. He could have gotten into that vat. But the vat that they're trying to say all, that all of his stuff is in, it was right. like... He couldn't even have gotten in there.
0: Here's what happened, right? Somebody went to his somebody, the person we really need to know, mm-hmm. or somebody just trying to get the heat off of the mill. Yeah, went into exactly. his room, right? They took his hat, his hard hat, which mm-hmm. they probably found hanging up or whatever. Well, it's they filled it full of all of his stuff from it, his desk.
1: That everything they found. Everything
0: they found was, was from the desk, at work. right?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, that because that wasn't stuff you would necessarily keep on you. Not necessarily.
1: It was all stuff that was tech would have t- technically been left in his desk. Well, there that night. Right, because it was, was all work keys, related stuff. His ID, like, right. Or, so somebody or in his locker.
0: Right. So somebody put all the stuff in a hat in his hard hat, carried it over to the vat, mm-hmm. probably dumped it into the thing, and then was like, "Oh shit, this hard hat won't fit." Yeah, probably. So we'll just lay it down right here. Or, it has any excuse to be anywhere because, it, or maybe somebody could reuse this hard hat, right? But also, somebody could have reused that palm pilot that you issued him.
1: I think it's at more the mill, like. There was Palm Pilot in there? A, like you said, somebody's trying to take heat off of whatever happened at the mill. Mm-hmm. so they really, you know they were just trying to make it look for what some if? reason it felt like a lot of people were trying to say that he did this himself. like he staged that there, okay, but he wasn't found till five days later, and there were two searches conducted in that time, and like you said, no one found it before. so it was obviously left somewhere within them five days
0: mm-hmm.
1: after the searches were done. Why right. would Jim do that? Like, what? Is, How would what, he do that? What is the? Point? How would
0: he come back on that campus and no one notice him? People not are going to be looking for yeah, him.
1: No, not a camera catches him or nothing. Like, the police were still there. They were there for days, right. patrolling. Like, it's just it's almost unbelievable that he left. Period.
0: Yeah, it's dare strange. Dare I say strange and unexplained?
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so,
0: if you had to make a decision in what happened, like. You have to say something.
1: I'd say either an accident or intentional event happened and someone, either one person or multiple people from the factory itself are Mm -hmm. trying to cover it up.
0: What are the chances that it's an accident considering his odd behavior beforehand, though?
1: I think the odd behavior in this case might not have might not have anything to do with it. It might not. It may in that he may have had some secret life going on and some crazy drug stuff or mafia stuff or whatever. Yeah. And like the people at the mill just wanted to get rid of him, wanted to shut him up. Like it may be something crazy like that. But to me, it just feels more like mm, maybe somebody witnessed him fall into you know, the trenches are fall into the, so pond, you really the think it's an accident. Ponds and they covered up.
0: So they're, you'd think they're covering up a negligent accident, not nefarious acts.
1: I don't think anything. so. I know he was like having a breakdown, but even his breakdown to me just doesn't seem um, extreme. It doesn't seem extreme. No, it he- didn't seem like harmful <laughs> or violent in any way. Like he was just acting weird.
0: Like, right, maybe right. having an affair. Like, maybe. that
1: seems logical, but...
0: I know. I am blown away with how, like, chill his wife is with, oh, he's just a private person. He yeah. just doesn't... And it's like, yeah, but you're his wife.
1: Yeah. And, like, we're not Like, even, I get being private I tried people, tried to but. find stuff from, like, immediately after Jim disappeared, and there wasn't a whole lot. Right. You know, and that's normal in a grown man gone missing case. But, right, um, right. But there wasn't a whole lot, so you didn't get to see, like, her reaction immediately after I think now it's mm-hmm. to the point that and and this is terrible but she has to get to the point to where it's like I just have to move on yeah. I can't worry about this for it's seven 18 years later you right, know right right it's like when do you just even if he walked out when do you just be like fine whatever fuck it like forget him it's you know what I'm saying yeah and she know she don't know he could have left he could have been think an she asshole knew he and was, just left but I don't think he did
0: like an affair is one thing also something else that might explain it and we talked about this earlier but possibly maybe he had like a gambling problem or something like that Mm -hmm. that he was just keeping secret or maybe he you know borrowed money from Mm -hmm. the wrong people
1: it could have been anything and they were
0: now after him you know what i'm saying like these big organized crime they could easily make him disappear and make it look like an accident
1: there are a lot of people that believe that, or I guess one person that believes and is spreading a theory that he had some kind of new formula because he's a scientist, right? Oh, okay. And he had some kind of new formula, something about the way um, the steel's actually refined or something like he had figured something out. This guy, I don't know. He goes into detail about it, but it's... Like, when you're talking, listening to the detectives and stuff, it's like, it's really far-fetched. Mm-hmm. It's like, this would have to, I think you're giving these, whoever did it, I think you're giving them too much credit. Like, that, it's kind of like that.
0: I don't know. You never know. Well, because I mean, in steel okay, meals there's a lot of money to be made there. Okay, but, but here's the
1: thing. They said after his death, like, there was no kind of increase in profit. There was no change. Like, they kept an eye out because this person okay. raised that alarm. So, like, after his disappearance, they kind of, like, monitored the, you know, the mail to see if, like, so- suddenly someone came out with this amazing patent, like, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know? Right. And as far as they know, like, in the last 17 years, 18 years, um, you know, nothing's, nothing's proven that yet.
0: Well, do you know if he had any type of uh, recent promotion or anything at work? And then maybe he would have been given insight or information or access to something that may have put him in danger. Or maybe he found out something at work, some process or about someone, Mm -hmm. the wrong person. And they were like, well, we we can't let this guy keep working. And that's why he was getting so nervous. He was like, oh, (laughs) shit, they're on to me. Like... They know I know, Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to go ahead and, you know, buy gifts for my kids and just take care of things in as far in advance as I possibly can. And maybe that was one of the things that came to his mind.
1: Well, like, recent, no, he hadn't, there's absolutely nothing. Like, there's nothing, that's what's so baffling. Like He probably just disappeared. It was almost like he was just so normal and so average that it's like nothing in his background really points to anything. But
0: we wouldn't know. I mean, his wife doesn't even know him, so how would we know him? So
1: how would we find out? Exactly. But how would we find out is the point. Like, the police are like, we don't don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. Like, there's just nothing. He's just gone.
0: He could have just, yeah, he could have thrown all his personal shit into that vat just to start a new life.
1: Exactly. He could have, for all we know. We don't. But, I mean, the police are saying, like, basically, they haven't ruled anything out. Everything's an option at this time. Absolutely. You can't, out. Out, yep. you can't roll anything out hardly. Yeah.
0: You can't rule out anything right now. Yeah.
1: And they can't... I mean, they can They can look over it as much as they want. Um, Tracy tries to interview as much as she can now because really the only the only thing that's ever going to happen is somebody comes out yeah. and says, you know, I know what happened. Yeah. This is what happened. And to me, it just feels like there was some kind of accident. Maybe... Shit. Maybe there was an accident and no one even knows about it, but they thought the best course of action was to throw all his stuff in there and make it look like he had ran away you know what i'm saying cuz at the time they at the time they were found his stuff they were also worried about him being out in the fields yeah that was so stupid but um so they i guess they were trying to push that and trying to make it or possibly make it look like he ran away mhm but
0: he would have been seen and who
1: knows like like I said, maybe nobody did. Listen, if
0: you got oxidation <laughs> ponds on your property, you got high-level security. Right. There's probably fences all the way around that thing. they got barbed wire around them.
1: Everyone that we... I don't know. Ever, I just... Everyone we ever drive... I mean, we drive by them every day. Yeah. And there are six, eight-foot fences with barbed wire yeah. across, around all of them. There this area of North Carolina... That, gates yeah, to get and, into the fence. Like, you cannot get into these... You yeah. can't just walk into these things. Right. You can't just walk around them.
0: So I was going to say. This area of North Carolina where we live is built on textiles Mm -hmm. in the past and there are mills old mills still in operation new mills there are mills and factories all over the damn place so yeah they they're always the highest security they have guard gates and barbed wire fences that are eight foot tall and all this like i just i just don't see how he just escapes
1: no and not get caught on camera and then how did he escape like did somebody pick him up why why leave your car there I mean, if you were trying to run away and start a new life, that makes yeah, sense. But the woman the who was having an affair with came right? and picked him up. That's possible. I mean, it's possible. We <laughs> don't know that. Don't we know. don't know. We don't know
0: that. We
1: don't know. It's correct. I mean, it could have been aliens for all we know. We don't know. <laughs> right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, either way, this is an excellent case. Um, a very little known case, as far as I'm concerned. I'd never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, well, a lot in of...
1: New Zealand, it's not, yeah. Well, right, right,
0: <laughs> Yeah. It reminds me of quite a few cases that we've studied on mm-hmm. True Crime Guys where people have disappeared and were you know, never found again. But, um, Yeah, guys, so there you go. Uh, your guess is as good as ours. If you're someone in New Zealand and you have any type of insight into this case, uh, hit us up at sandupodcast at gmail.com okay? or at sandupodcast on social media. All right, well, there you go, guys. There's me and Kristen's opinion. There's only one person left to hear from, and you guys know who it is. Let's check in with Lauren in this week's. Thorne synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like, breaking down the case like cardboard boxes.
2: What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. We go back to June 21st, 2004, when 43-year-old family man Jim Donnelly of New Zealand got up for work like any other Monday. He worked at a steel mill south of Auckland in New Zealand, um, got gas, got a muffin on the way to work, um, parked just like normal, changed into his work clothes, went inside, signed in um, walked up to his office and that's the last time he was seen alive. He was seen near his office within the steel mill that he worked, um, and disappeared following that. And there would be his hard hat found near a vat with chemicals. And then some of his belongings would be found inside of this vat would be recovered and still in decent condition. Um, he, however, would not be found. Um, and it would be five days before his hard hat was found, which is pretty shocking to me. I don't know how you know exactly how big this um, this mill is, but you would think that you know it'd be red alert a day after he goes missing, and he never logs out of work. That they would have searched this place top to bottom within a day or so. I can't believe it takes five days to find um, his hard hat and the belongings at the bottom of the the vat. Uh, that that to me is the first red flag. Um, there was never been any sign of him, um, and we're talking about 18 years now, it's been. Um, there was some odd behavior. This, to me, is the only pause I had as far as there being foul play. Someone uh, Someone harming him was my first, uh, my first instinct. Someone within the, the confines of his workplace. Maybe he saw something or knew something he shouldn't have. Maybe he was involved in a relationship he shouldn't have been in. Something along those lines was my first instinct. Um, But then I heard that he had some odd behavior in the days leading up to it. Uh, This was reported by not only his coworkers, but also his wife. Um, The Saturday prior to uh, his disappearance, he was supposed to go out to dinner with his wife, and he ixnayed that and said that he had to go into work for some sort of an emergency meeting, which was very abnormal. I don't think it had ever happened in the past. Um, and he got a suit and went into work on a Saturday night. And then the following day with some more odd behavior. He went into work again on some sort of an, uh, an emergency situation. So something was going on. Um, so I started leaning, you know, my thoughts towards this, you know, uh, Jim wanted to disappear. Uh, you, you know, this is some sort of a, a planned getaway. He was a family man. Maybe he'd had it with, you know, the, the standard button down nine to five family life. This happens from time to time. And, you know, I, I'm keeping in mind for the family's sake, you know, I don't know the man and, you know, I'm sure his, his family, uh, thinks this is the last thing that he would do. And, you know, they may be right, but just judging by his behavior leading up to this, something was going on, whether it was, he was involved in something he shouldn't have been, or somebody was threatening him at work something was going on um, it's just a it's a tough one there's not a lot of details you know we don't know a whole lot about what was truly going on in these days leading up I think there's no you can't detach the prior weekend from his disappearance they're, they're certainly connected whether it's you know him acting on his own trying to disappear maybe he went off you know you can't you can't uh, rule out the possibility that he planned to commit suicide and didn't want to be found, or he wanted to go live a new life with a different identity. I imagine it'd be hard to leave New Zealand without some trace of you though. Um, He could have fled to Australia or something like that, but I imagine there'd be some trace of you leaving and also over the next 18 years, like not being spotted or having your identity, your false identity being discovered would be difficult as well. Um, so I started leaning towards foul play. Something happened. He saw something he shouldn't have. He was involved in something. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but the, the work thing, five days to recover his hard hat and belongings in the bottom of the vat is odd to me. And like the fact that he do his whereabouts on that day that he disappeared, you know, we've seen near his office and they're not seen again. Like he's wandering around, he goes to this vat and dumps items down it. No one sees any of that. Like I, I don't know, something. It stinks of a cover up at this steel mill. Um, but you know, it's hard to point fingers with so little evidence. In 2004, I doubt they had uh, much in in the way of um, security cameras and CCTV. So I don't know um, if they did, they would probably be extremely grainy and not many of those cameras around. So. I don't know. Um, I don't think there will be any closer to this unless there is, unfortunately, like remains found. Um, I think if he did run off and start a new life, that you know he's not going to return at this point, eighteen years later. Um, yeah, I think the only chance of uh, finding out what truly happened is. I don't think anyone's going to talk at this point after eighteen years either. If if they had something to do with it or knew somebody who had something to do with it after eighteen years of getting away with it unlikely that anyone's going to come forward at this point so i think the only way that some closure happens with this is if if he is dead and there's remains found um it's tragic for his family definitely feel for the donnelly family uh, for his two children who are now grown terrible all around so that's my thoughts hope you guys enjoyed it see you next week
0: All right, Lauren, thank you so much for that synopsis. And as always, guys, we hope you guys enjoyed the retelling of this strange and unexplained case. Um, Unfortunately, there will be no strange and unexplained case on the free platform next week because it's Sandu Stories week. So we will see you guys on Patreon with a brand new audio drama, Sandu Stories, which is based on a recent True Crime Guys episode called Slave Master. So if you're unfamiliar with the serial killer John Edward Robinson, uh, it's definitely worth a listen. One of, the, one of the most interesting cases in serial killers that we've done to date. It's pretty interesting uh, how under the radar this guy flies for being so prolific. Um, but this Sandu stories this next week will be based loosely, you know how we do it, it'll be loosely based on the John Edward Robinson story. So we hope you guys will be able to join us for that. And if you'd like to know where to find that, you can find it at patreon.com slash podcast. There is a link right below the description of this episode. And speaking of, I'd like to give a big thank you to two new patrons that's jumped on in the last week, Linda Belair and Stephanie Kingsbury. Thank you guys so much. They jumped on on the $3 tier. So in the $3 tier, you get access to a bonus show that I do every single Monday with a friend of mine named Andy, who also writes for Sandu Stories. We do a show called Strange Shorts, which you may have noticed them here on the free platform. Every fourth episode, including next week's episode, will be a Strange Shorts episode. But we actually do that show every single week. Every Monday, if you're on Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash snupodcast. Guys, another great way to help the show, if especially if you're listening on Spotify or Apple podcast hit that subscribe button or hit that follow button, and also rate and review if you get a chance. I want to give a shout-out to a couple of people who have reviewed this week. Um, one from Canada, from Ipo Worski, says, "Perfect, Perfect blend of seriousness and comedy while still being so respectful to the victims. Even if this podcast was mediocre, I'd listen just for the Lorne Synopsis song. It's the best song I've ever heard in my life. And that's probably the most exaggeration I've ever heard in my life. But thank you very, very much. Uh, Also, got another review from the US of A. And it says, This is fire. Amazing. Super addicting. Love everything about this podcast. The music is also incredible and often randomly go around singing, It's time for Lorne it's time for Lauren's synopsis breaking down the case like breaking down the case like cardboard boxes (laughs) and then the rest of it's fire emojis thank you so much sexy lover babe for that 5 star review guys anywhere you leave a review is much appreciated and we'd also love to see you on social media at SNU Podcast. give us a follow and we make social media posts announcing every single episode release so it's a great way to stay up to date on what's going on Um, anything else? I can't really think of anything Kristen, you have anything else? No? You're good? I think everybody's good. All right, guys. Uh, Remember, next week is Sandu Stories on Patreon. Here on the free platform, I'll see you with a brand new Strange Shorts. All right? So remember, guys, be strange. Just don't be strangers.
2: You hush your mouth, boy.